No ketchup. No ketchup. What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Ketchup Sports Talk in Chicago. It's all Bulls talk right now. Bulls are 4-0. I got to bring my guy. When the Bulls is 4-0, you know I got to bring my guy, D. Mayberry, on Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic. What's up, baby? What's going on? What's good, man? Thanks for having me on. Come on. Of course, man. Anytime. 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 I've been reading all your stuff. You've been doing a great job. Appreciate I, that. Yo, I love how, you know what I'm saying? I love how you're not from, you, you, you have that skeptical lens. Like you, you, you see what you say, what everybody you're seeing, you know what I'm saying? You, you seeing the same stuff as us and we might be a little over the hill on it. And you always bring me back. Like, hold on a second. Like, let, let's game four is game three. Like, let's see, let's give us a couple more weeks. Yeah. You have to, especially with this four and start because they haven't played anybody. They played the Pistons twice without Cade Cunningham. They played the Pelicans without Zion Williamson. And then they played the Toronto Raptors without Pascal Siakam. So, you know, they got to start showing it. First of all, give them credit for beating the teams that that they're they're playing, if it's on their schedule. But, you know, they got to show it against good teams. Last year we saw that they could beat bad teams. We saw that, you know, the last couple of years. We got to see them beat the teams on their level. We saw Atlanta take a huge jump last year after some few, uh, a few offseason additions. What can this Bulls team do after adding ten new pieces? So I don't think it's I don't think it's unfair to raise the expectations on this team. No, no doubt about it. Well, listen, hold on, because what is this? Is this season four for you? Man, this is season five. Season five. Okay, yeah. so and and I've seen trash basketball I, <laughs> the whole time. That's I was why gonna, I can't help but to be, but to be skeptical. Right? No, because that was that's what I wanted to leave with. It's season five. Just in the building, talking to fans, moving around the United Center. How much of a difference does it just feel this year? You know, obviously I started four and the the big additions, but. Can you feel the culture shift just by being in there when, when, when you're getting your info and doing your articles and all that? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, and you're looking at the way that the, the team is playing. Um, and, and it's such a Chicago style right now, right? Defense, gritty, uh, getting after it, locking people up, and then using that to generate offense right now. I mean, we thought this was going to be this, this uh, Showtime Lakers-type team offensive explosion, high-powered, and that's not what we're seeing. You know, we're yeah. seeing uh, the complete opposite. Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and those guys getting after it defensively. Uh, and that's an exciting brand as well. It doesn't always have to be, you know, 130 to 124. Um, you know, they, they've held they held the Pistons to, to 80-some-odd points twice. Again, it's the Pistons. But, but I like the way that they're playing, and I do think that it's transferable to good teams. The way we're seeing this team defend, I think is transferable against the better teams in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's get into it. Let's let's talk Zach Levine cuz like I said, if hey, also, if you don't if you don't rock with D Mayberry across the board on the Athletic and read all this stuff, he's putting out the best Bulls content out right now. Don't 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 play yourself. Make sure you're checking out Mayberry stuff on the Athletic. Going into the year, your top 10 things you were looking forward to for the Bulls season, number one was Zach Levine. Give me your thoughts on Levine so far. You wanted, you were keen on decision-making, turnovers, defensive improvement, how he was going to come into that role as be, being that guy coming off the, the Olympic gold medal, looking for that, that big, big deal. Give me your thoughts on Levine so far. 
He looked good. Um, you know, that obviously everyone knew he was going to have to kind of sac- sacrifice a little shot, a couple shots and, and some, some touches. But, um, you know, I think there was a widespread belief that he was going to come in and do less with mo- or do more with less. Um, and, and so far he's doing that. His shot attempts are down. His percentages are up. Uh, he's shooting like 94% from the foul line and 44, 45% from three. Um, so his points are a little down, but, but his efficiency is right there. Uh, and his defense, man, that's the thing that, that has really impressed me the most. The guy is getting after it defensively. He's chasing players around screens all over the court, fighting over screens, rotating, helping, uh, getting deflections. So I like the focus that he's brought to start this season defensively. Um, he's doing what we are accustomed to seeing him do offensively, but, but the way he's defending, uh, and, and really determined to be a better player on that end of the floor to me is the most encouraging part about the start of his season. I think it's also just a bit of everybody else is playing better backcourt D. So like, it, it just rubs off on you a little bit. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's hard to play D when you're going to have to go on the other end and score 30. There's no question about that, right? And then the rest of the team's not really locking up anyway, so it's like, eh, I'll see y'all on the other end. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's infectious what Caruso and the rest of those guys are doing. So, Lonzo, it it rubs off on you, no doubt. It makes you want to play D. So, yeah, man, I I agree with all that. I'm excited because he just is – you, the confidence is just jumping off of his body. Every every movement, everything he does, every press conference. When he addressed the United Center, it fe- I'm like, this motherfucker is confident as it gets right now. You know what I'm saying? Cool, calm, collected. Hey, we were joking. They said, oh, no, nah, man. Levine done got KG earrings. This boy locked in. <laughs> like <laughs> they, said, they said he went and got the KG diamond studs. No, nah, 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 man. Zach, Zach is too locked right now. So that's the first thing that always jumps out to me because I was talking to Nick about this too. That That is what you want to see from your guy like John Morant. He just walks around like, I'm that man. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't care what team I'm playing. I don't care what team I'm playing against. I don't care that I'm on the Memphis Grizzlies. We the Lakers. Like that that's how he moves around. So Zach is doing the same thing and and I love that about him. Yeah, and the thing about Zach is he's naturally confident. I mean, it, when they were losing and getting their brains beat in, he was still feeling like he was that dude and it's funny now cuz everybody around the team and, and follow the organization and around the league even a lot of people in this city even we're, we're, we're kind of like, nah, you're not that dude. Right. And he hadn't proven it. And he, that never stopped him. I, I admire the way Zach has maintained belief in himself throughout all the ups and downs in his career, the ACL trade, Jim Boylan, Fred Hoiberg, uh, now, now Billy Donovan, uh, you know, he's just kind of persevered and somehow, some way maintained the utmost belief and confidence in himself. And now that he's turned into an all-star, now that he's turned into an Olympic gold medalist, you're seeing that that extra jolt of confidence come in where, where like you're saying, everything he touches, anything he does, he knows that he's the man. Um, they go out and get DeMar DeRozan, make him the highest paid player on the team. Zach says no problem. 
he doesn't get his contract extension, Zach says no problem. He's going to go out there and show you who he is. So I appreciate that about Zach Levine. Absolutely, it's it's that's exactly right. You hit it dead on the you hit it dead on the head because yeah, no contract, no problem. You want y'all pay pay whoever y'all want, but listen, I'm payday is coming for me. This is yep. my this is my team, and I don't and I don't know if I mean I guess it is his team, but it, it's th- there's so much talent on the squad right now that the ball's gonna be moving around whatever you, whatever you want to say. But I think in his mind, it's his it's his city. It's his building. It's everything, and 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 that's what you need out of your number one guy. That's going to get you big, big buckets. And, and Sean, you can speak to this so much better than I can, uh, but it just feels like the Bulls are in a position right now where they 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 just have this opportunity for the city to wrap their arms around them. And, and Zach could be the man. I mean, Justin Fields. You always got to play second fiddle to him and the Bears, but uh, but Zach Levine as an All Star and Olympian now and for potentially leading this team to the playoffs this year, you know, this, there, there's a golden opportunity for this, this city to wrap their arms around uh, the Bulls and specifically Levine because he is the straw that serves the drink. You know, he's the guy who makes this thing go. Without him, you know, they're, they're not nearly as good or, or capable uh, of what they could be doing, the success they could have this season. So what do you think about that, man? Do you yeah. think that the city's ready to wrap its arms around Zach? Man, the city is ready to wrap its arms around anybody winning. You feel me? That's yeah. just like that's Chicago in a, in a nutshell. Like you say, it's Justin F- second fiddle. They're not playing second fiddle if those boys, these boys, keep winning games. All those uh, you, everybody walking down the street gonna have a Bulls T-shirt on. Everybody mm-hmm. gonna have a Bulls hat on. I went on NewEra.com today to look for a Bulls hat. It was all sold out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's yeah, it's like that right now. Yeah, it's like that right now. And Chicago will wrap themselves around a winner. And you're right. Zach Levine has an opportunity to be the head honcho on a, one of the best teams in the East. The city would embrace that through and through. You Listen, you see the difference in a sold-out United Center versus a non-sold-out United Center. Thursday is, yo, tomorrow is going to be off the rails. I'm telling you right now, this probably this is gonna be your best experience covering the Bulls so far tomorrow. You gonna get I'm that? Forward to it, man. It, it should be exciting. Thibodeau, D Rose. Oh, you gonna get it all? You gonna get it all? I'd even Joe Kim Knight. Yeah, I'd even throw Julius Randle in there, man. I know he's not you know connected, but you know that guy plays hard. You know he he's an All Star for a reason, and and uh, he's gonna he's gonna make it tough on the Bulls, especially Patrick Williams and Vucevic. So. It's not just the, the the extra that comes with that game, but the game itself is going to be good. The Bulls are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. The Knicks are one of the best. Like, you know, the, the, the contrasting styles that we're about to see, um, I think it's going to be the best test so far for the Bulls, and it's going to be the most entertaining game probably uh, that the Bulls have played in the first five. Yeah, man, you got Chicago versus New York. You got the whole shit. It's gonna be it's gonna be electric in there. I'm telling you. All right, let's get to Demar because last couple articles you've written are on Demar or featured Demar. They were they were they, a lot of Demar Derozan talk. Like you said in the article, he showed why we went and picked him up in Toronto. In the article, you mentioned everyone look. This is this is I quote. This is quoting D. Mayberry. Everyone looked petrified down the stretch except Demar. He came down, hit a couple, he hit like two or three big jump shots, got to the foul line and kind of iced the game out. That's why we went and picked him up, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I can understand the criticism of how much the Bulls gave up for him. Uh, first round pick, second round pick, and then paying him anywhere between 82 and $85 million. That's a lot. And you gave up Thad Young, uh, who, as we can see, like he'd be really nice on this team he'd right now. Really coming good, off yeah. the bench, or even starting over Pat Williams, who I know you want to talk about a little bit. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I just look at, at a scenario where if they could have held on the to sad. I don't care about the money. It ain't my money. Um, <laughs> you know, and I do understand the cap ramifications and all of that and the business of it. That You want to make sure that you have flexibility going forward. But at the same time, this team has only has, hasn't won more than 31 games in the past four seasons. You also got to start winning some games. DeMar DeRozan is bringing instant credibility back to your franchise. You can't put a price on that after what this team has been through for the last four years. Um, so, so I, again, I don't, I didn't love what they gave up, the amount that they gave up for him, but I understood that they needed to make a, a strong, serious play for a serious veteran, uh, all-star performer. And, and, and that Raptors game, DeMar DeRozan shows you, uh, why he's a four-time all-star, why he's so highly regarded and why the Bulls went after him. He... He looked poised. He looked locked. He like, okay, let's let's calm down a little bit. It reminded me of the playoffs. Me and Nick have this conversation all the time about let's t- forget about this regular season NBA shit. Who are you gonna do you have a guy on the roster that you could throw the ball on the wing and he could go get you a he can go get you two points? Simple as that. And DeMar flat out showed guy. you that he's that guy, and I could do that, and I could calm the crowd down, and I I I could I could quiet the building a little bit just calm down give me the rock possession after possession and i'll get it done for you and that's what every 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 squad needs especially if you're gonna make a deep run in the playoffs i was impressed man yeah and the thing is is i was talking i think i did stacy king's uh podcast and and we were talking about zach and and the criticism that i had is that he's a really good player but but you know in order for him to go to the next step, he's got to become a great player, which is an extremely difficult thing to do. Uh, and my, and my, the specific area that I pointed to in his game was late game scenarios, late game situations, crunch time. Yeah. And we saw Zach uh, in that Raptors game just lose the ball, dribbling up the court. I don't know if he was trying to go between his legs or behind his back. He just kind of lost the ball. Led to Fred, Fred Van Fleet getting a steal, and then Zach had to foul him. Van Fleet got two free throws. Those are the, in, in a crucial moment, like those are the times that Zach has to really be more disciplined, focused and, and better, uh, you know, to put it bluntly, he's got to be better. And, and now you've got DeMar DeRozan where he can get the ball and take the ball out of Zach's hands so that he doesn't have to have the pressure of doing everything in crunch time. And you saw how much that helped the Bulls when DeMar was able to get to those three mid-range pull-ups, sweet shots, all three of them. Yeah. And and get to the free throw line uh, down the stretch. So he had eight points in crunch time that that really bailed his team out. They don't win this game if it's not for Demar. And I think more than anyone, it helps Zach Levine because he doesn't have to, you know, have such a burden on him in, in late game moments. And he's proven that that he'll make some mistakes, whether it's dribbling off his foot or yep. making a bad pass. Or, he'll like, turn it over. Things, he's turned it over those before. Those are the things Zach's got to clean up. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's and it it gives it gives the defense and not like the defense has to account for both of them now. Everyone coming down the yeah. stretch, news loves like okay, well, we just got to hold up Levine right here, and we should be all right. 
But now it's that's not the case. So, yeah, man, DeMar is a big addition. I also think he enjoys sticking it to Toronto. I don't care if the team's not as good, <laughs> none of that. Like, that felt good. Had to. Had to feel good. Yeah, Listen. it's always good. It's always good when these players go back. And, and, and like, I give credit to DeMar. He didn't say it's just another game and all that. He called that place his second home. Yeah. You could see him after his first made bucket. He smiled. And I think he did the little Carmelo. And, you know, yeah, so he was. It was a three. Was, yeah, yeah. He was. He was into it, and, and and he didn't just downplay it as just another game. I like when guys keep it real and are honest with themselves about uh, going back to their old stomping ground. Yeah, I, I had never heard that story. Uh, Stacy and Amin said uh, that he once he heard the trade news, he went. He was in the car. He told him to pull over. He went and sat outside of Jack in the Box for a little bit. Sat on the street, they said. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> you didn't hear that story? DeMar DeRozan, when he found out he got traded to uh, San Antonio, they said he told the driver to pull over. And he just, he was walking down the street or something. Yeah. Or sat out in front of Jack in the Box for like half yeah. an hour or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that. I I, I should ask him about that. Um, I mean, I believe it. If they said it, I believe it's true. It probably came straight from DeMar's mouth. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's something, man. I mean, he, man. he really loved he, that. He place. really loved that. Nine years. Yeah. Well, no, you heard him in the presser too. He talked about it. He was like, I just I became a man here. I grew up right. here. It was it's more like, bigger than basketball type shit. Like I, I grew up here. I played ball here. I made a lot of relationships here. So yeah, I thought that story was funny though. All right, let's yeah. move to Lonzo, man. Cause listen, I knew we needed a point guard. We talked every time we talk on every time me and Dave of uh, Mayberry were texting last year. It was like, man, this team needs a point guard so bad. This team needs a point guard every week, man. What we would do with a point guard? Well, let me tell you, we got a point guard right now, and he's pushing the floor. He's pushing the break. He's doing everything on the defensive end. He looks. This might be a stretch, and it's obviously early in the season, but he's been the most impactful addition ahead of DeRozan, as far as I can see so far. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's not far-fetched um, because he's doing it on both ends, and, and his defense has honestly been better than his offense. Um, he's defense getting fields, He's getting deflections. He's getting blocks. He's guarding opposing guards, forwards. And at times, big men like centers. Um, so I just love the versatility that he's shown, mostly defensively, but also offensively as well. His three-point shot looks looks really good. Yeah. Uh, at one point, I think he was five of eight in that Raptors game. Yo, it looks it looks like it. spooky good. Yeah, and like, how did it get this good? This <laughs> Yo, real shit. Yeah, <laughs> and not only that, but he's letting them fly without hesitation. None. So he's confident in his shooting ability and his new and improved shooting ability. So I'm with you, man. Lonzo has been one of the, if not the most impactful player on this roster so far. You know, obviously, you know what you're gonna get from Zach, and he's had moments where you know he starts slow and then turns it on. But Lonzo is there all game, defensively, offensively. He's just whatever you need. And it's not like you got to go to him. It's not like you got to call his number. He's just going out there, playing with him the flow and making an impact. Yeah, absolutely, on both ends. And he he just looks like he's playing back, like he's just playing his game. He's not overthinking anything. 
he's not wrapped up in you know new players and new. He's just out there pushing the ball, making the right plays. He feels like make it doing what he needs to, what needs to be done in that specific moment, and he, and it seems to be consistent that that jumper is shockingly improved. Like I, I, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't want, I didn't watch a lot of Pelicans ball last year, and I heard the rumors, and I watched a ton of stuff when we, after we acquired him. But yeah, like you said, he's letting that joint fly with confidence, and it's falling. So that's dangerous as is. All right, before we get to the bench mob, the new bench mob, whatever you want to call him, Caruso, Williams, Alize, let's talk Pat Williams because. I've been having some conversations in the group chat. We've been going back and forth. And to me, he's starting and he, he's he been matching up on D with some of the, the, the opposite's best player, Jeremy Grant, those type of guys. I don't know how to gauge what I'm supposed to – what is his role? What is he supposed to – what do you think he's going out there to do? Is it just play D? Should he be looking for his shot more? Should he be getting more assertive? I, I, I t- you, you tell me what you think. He, he's got to do more. Um, there's no excuse for him getting zero rebounds in the game. Yeah, zero. If Larry Markkinen did that last year, I would have come on this po- podcast and roasted him. Yeah. Pat Williams isn't he, – he's not immune. Like he, He's the fourth overall pick. And I don't care if it's a shoulder. I don't care if it's his ankle. I don't care if it's his conditioning. Like. There is no excuse for getting zero rebounds on a night where your team got out-rebounded by 20. So let's start there and then incorporate all the other stuff, the offense, the defense. He hasn't won a matchup defensively yet in the first four games. Jeremy Grant, twice. Brandon Ingram. And then Scotty Barnes. Why is Scotty Barnes in his third game looking better than Patrick Williams in his second season? That's a good question. Hey, we was fucking around in the group chat. I said, Jeremy Grant looked like Kobe. Fuck <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, hey, I can't even be mad at Pat. This dude looking, this dude going crazy. Jeremy yeah. Grant is Jeremy Grant is nice. But yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, there's no reason Scotty Barnes should be giving you baskets and look overall more efficient than you in your second season. Do you, I, I kind of get the feeling that is it you think it's something that where he's like overwhelmed with just like he he wants to make sure he gets the ball when he touches it gets it back to the right guys i think the rebound thing is a given right that's all effort you should be up there cleaning the glass he's 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 big long and no rebounds is, should never happen right um i'm just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt somewhere but he just seems like a lost piece right now for me yeah, it's it's weird because he wants to be a team player. He wants to make the right basketball right. play. Right. But at some point, and you see when he's aggressive and, and turns on whatever side of that mentality that that lets him put pressure on the rim and, and be aggressive, that he has the skills. He can use one or two dribbles, get to the rim, and finish or pull up for a nice little soft-touch floater, but he just doesn't do it consistently. And I'm thinking, there is no excuse for for not doing that more when you've proven yourself capable. Um, you know, he does need to, need to work on his game. 
but he the the biggest thing is between between the shoulders man it's it's upstairs like how is he going to mentally force himself to be more aggressive i mean we're talking about the same thing last year and and frankly this is the same conversation we had about larry marketing from his rookie season on i mean we would say why is he only getting seven shots why is he only get 10 shots like why did he only take two shots in the second half those types of things well now it's kind of circling the pat and the front office had to do what they had to do to make this team better. But it didn't benefit Patrick Williams in the sense that now you've got Vucevic as, the, as one of the primary scoring options. You've got DeRozan as one of the primary scoring options. And then you got Ball. So Patrick Williams is the fifth scoring option in the, in the starting lineup. He is learning to adapt and adjust to these new pieces. Um, but but when the Bulls and I'm I'm kind of glad for Patrick Williams' sake, it probably would have been a lot better for the Bulls this season. But Patrick Williams would have got lost in the shuffle if Paul Millsap came here or Lamarcus Aldridge came here. You telling me Billy Donovan's not going to want to start one of those veterans over a second year player who's not grabbing a rebound in thirty sure. something minutes of play? So uh, you know the Bulls they they were high on Pat and I think they still are. They drafted him fourth. They put him in the starting lineup, uh, they're committed to him, but they've also done some things that haven't done him any favor. Yeah, I think he's in a really tough spot because he's the, the team is doing well with with how he's been playing and how everything has been going. He, he kind of just doesn't – he kind of seems like he's just a little tentative and doesn't really know what to do, especially on the offensive end. So hopefully he – comes in with that hustle, the hustle plays and, and and cleans up the boards, like you said, because that you don't need that that should be a given for, for a guy like that. All right. I know, I know, uh I know we weren't happy about Caruso getting MVP chance, but <laughs> Caruso's getting MVP chance. But listen, he's been making a crazy impact along with the other bench guys. How you feel about Caruso, the bench, Alize, and those guys? We were joking. They said if uh, Tom Tib- if Alize was on Tom Thibodeau's team, he'd play forty eight minutes, no question. Like that's what we were joking about. So, how you feel about Caruso, the impact of the bench, and uh, those guys that second unit coming on? Man, I love Caruso. I've always loved him ever since Texas A and M. I've had my eye on him and and just kind of been an admirer of his game and how hard he plays, how smart he yeah. is the little things that he does and brings to a team. He's done that with the Bulls. He's been a, a pleasant surprise uh, in terms of his impact as well because it mirrors what Lonzo Ball has done uh, offensively, defensively, doing every little – at least three, four times a game. This is a big statement. Alex Caruso does something uh, impactful with a hustle play. At least three, four times a game. He's yeah. lunging his body across the lane for a steal getting in the front of an uh, offensive player, taking a charge, uh, getting his hands in, a force up a tie-up tie, uh, tie situation and a jump ball, um, you know, block shots, whatever it is, man, steals, deflections. He just knows how to play and knows where to be at the right time. And it's been, it's been really positive for this Bulls team. I mean, they needed someone like that. You know, th- the last time they had – two really good defenders was Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison. And those guys couldn't play a lick of offense. 
Um, so now you've got two guys in Alonzo Ball and Alex Caruso who can give it to you on both ends. And the best thing I like about them is those guys' mindset is like, we're here all day. We're here all <laughs> night. You, you can do whatever you want. You can try to play, you know, toy, toy with the ball in front of us. We're not going to allow, allow it. They are going to lock in defensively all night long. And if you think it's going to be easy, it's not. So uh, just having that type of player, that type of mindset, two of them, at the point of attack defensively has, has really made all the difference in this team this season. You remember when Jim Boylan was selling out and had his defense being so aggressive and trapping pick and rolls and Wendell Carter Jr. was, was way up <laughs> damn near at half court. <laughs> like, he yeah. was selling out for all of those steals and deflections so that they could run out and have transition opportunities. The Bulls are having the same impact without being nearly as aggressive. So they're not paying for it on the back end. And exactly. that's what that's what Alex Caruso gives you. That's what Lonzo Ball gives you. You put those two on the floor together, and it's a nightmare for opposing backcourts. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So the the backcourt the backcourt defense has been protecting the front court rim protection because we we could use some help there. Are you worried about Vooch at all? I'm worried about his lack of physicality, and I'm worried about his post-defense. Um, he's been really good with his hands, getting deflections, getting steals um, on entry passes. Uh, and I like that. I like his timing. I like uh, his instincts when it comes to that. But post-defense-wise, I mean, he looks a little Carlos Boozer-esque. And that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. That's exactly uh, how he looks. Yeah, and so that concerns me. Rebounding concerns me. And that's not just a Vucevic issue. You know, he's, he's been pretty good uh, rebounding. But there have been too many moments where the Bulls have had two or three players down there. And I don't know if it's a lack of size or athleticism up front, but someone else has come in and snatched the rebound from them, you know, an offensive rebound. And, you know, those are the things that can't happen as the schedule strengthens and they start to play better teams because that's going to lead to uh, a ton of second chance opportunities and as we know in this day and age those second chance opportunities aren't layups they generally turn into threes uh which are back breaking so uh, those are the two areas i'm concerned about when it comes to his shot his three-point shooting and those things finishing he's missing a lot of shots that i think he's going to start making yeah he's missing a lot of bunnies for real yeah that 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 stuff will start to fall my uh my last thing getting you out of here What do you think it is about how we look so night and day at home versus away? At home, we are literally running people off the floor. And then we get away and it's a little shaky. Is that just your standard being at home, being cozy, crowd crowd being with you versus versus not? Because that's a concern of mine. I feel like like even to, in, even in the preseason, we were destroying people at home. And then we get on the road and it's a little shaky. Next game's coming up. We got the Knicks at home, but then we got we we play the Nets. We got the Jazz. Jazz are at home, but we got the Nets. We go away to Philly. It could get it could get spooky. Are you worried about the road the road vibe at all? Not. I mean, you bring up a good point in bringing up the preseason, but I think all three of these road games were explainable, explicable. Um, 
You, How you so? Can what look, do you mean? You can look at that Cavs game and say, okay, they had just played the Cavs in the preseason a couple of days earlier. You know, it's always hard to, to come back and, and route a team twice like that. Um, the Pistons game, the season opener, you know, there's that. <laughs> there's <all> top. <laughs> yeah. There's the season opener. Yeah. Um, and then and then that, that Toronto game, you got, you know, DeMar going back. Um, you know, you, you have that. You've got uh, a dangerous and, and really good defensive Raptors team. Uh, and, really and also well- – and, and well coached and also the fact that you got to think about the bulls were up big against the raptors and then in all three games that you're mentioning these road games they just let the teams back in it yeah um so so i think that's how it's easily explained where you know you have a couple of different uh, little things that were just things that you have to deal with during the season but then also the bulls were up and then i think closing to your point, Sean, that that might be the issue more than a road home thing. It's closing out. They didn't close out very well against Detroit in the open. They they had the game, you know, in hand, and then Detroit made this like late push. So the Bulls got to be better closing. Same thing happened in Toronto where they were up by 20. They were up by 15 in the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden, you know, 13 or 15 to two run by the Raptors gets it within two. So. Um, they got to be better closing, whether it's at home or on the road, because they weren't great at that last night or last year in the previous season. And DeMar DeRozan saved them Monday against the Raptors. So um, that's something to look forward to. You bring up a good point, and I don't necessarily see it as, a, as so much as a home road thing as can these Bulls close consistently type of thing. Yeah. All right, D. Mayberry, we'll leave it there, man. I appreciate you hopping on as always. I am your host, Sean Little. No catch on Sports Talk V Chicago for Darnell Mayberry of the Athletic. Make sure y'all lock in Thursday. It's going to be a show. Hey, enjoy the game tomorrow. All right, bro. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Yes, sir.